Hi, this is Lisa Hawkins with Christian Warrior Woman, and today we are going to continue our study of Joshua, and we're today in Joshua 7. If you're joining us um, today for the first time, you may want to go back a couple of days because we've done, this is our seventh day in our seventh chapter, so you may want to go back and start at chapter 7, or you can jump in right here with us. And, um, you know, catch up on your own after the podcast and continue with us because each lesson is talking about what's happening in the Israelites and with Joshua, but really relating it to our own walk. So today we're going to talk about Joshua uh, 7. And the, the main thing that we're going to talk about is when is disobedience is when we, when God gives us a plan. And we go our own way. And then when circumstances happen, we then want to know why we're in the predicament that we're in. Anybody out there ever have that experience? Well, I want to give a shout out to all of you in other countries as well. Every day, um, the Lord is finding his women in the various countries from America, Canada, South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, um, in South America, and also in Asia. So I praise God for each of you. So if you've got your Bible open, your journal, and you shut everybody else out for the next 15 to 20 minutes, that will be awesome. So Lord, we just thank you for this day and this opportunity to talk about your word. So I'm going to start off reading the first part and then I'm going to hopefully you read all of six on your own prior so you'll have an idea of where we are and what's happening. So I'm going to start at verse one. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi and son of Zimri, the son of Zerai of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. That was fun. Those names, right? (laughs) So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So let's stop here for a second and look at if we look in verse six, sorry, chapter six. Joshua made it very clear. If we look at um, chapter six, verse 18, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. So that gives you the backdrop in chapter six. And then we see right in the beginning of seven that Achan did take some of the devoted things. So when we talk about devoted things, the Canaanites worship Baal. And so there were uh, idols and a number of pieces that were part of the ceremonial, even though sometimes these things were made of gold and silver and gold, of course, was more valuable, that this should be put in the treasury um, for the Lord, but not to be taken by individuals to consider that as their bounty, because these are idolat- idolatrous things. And these are things that would corrupt the children of Israel. So the Lord made it clear what um, Joshua should instruct the Israelites and even why 
But Aiken, and, and isn't that man's greed that we still want what we want, what our eyes see, what we see as value, or relying on believing and trusting in something else. And it's similar, it reminds me in this moment, which it didn't before, but while I'm talking about it, it reminds me of, of Lot's wife. When the angel of the Lord, she sees the destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah and she's running forward and the angel tells her, don't look back. But her heart still looks back or longs for or desires what they had that was not holy in their lives. And so in this moment, it's Aiken, you know, being torn between living for the Lord but in the world. We got one foot in, one foot out. Or, you know, we do a little church and we do a little of the world and a little of our own desires. The Lord may be calling us into a high executive role, maybe calling us into motherhood, but we see something else that we desire. We want to be, I'm making this up for us to laugh. Maybe some of you might not laugh, might be what you want to be, but we might see ourselves as a you know, the future Beyonce or a top entertainer or something else other than what the Lord has told us um, and has given us as a, a plan and a purpose. But we see our own lust and our own desire as the priority versus what God said. And we could say here that Achan had already seen the priests hold the Ark of the Covenant in the Jordan and seen it dried up. He's not even relying on what was told to him way back when from Moses' day, but he still chose. And I think it's an example for us today that we can go to church on Sunday. We can have parents who speak the word over us. We can be in prayer and we can still be choosing to do what we desire. We may be choosing to date a man because we believe he has the money to buy us the things that we like. So instead of living by the word, keeping ourselves holy for our husband, we allow ourselves to be in sin. And we might say, well, it doesn't happen often, but it happens where we allow ourselves to be in sin for that momentary thrill, momentary date and nice dinner and or a piece of jewelry or whatever we perceive, the boob job I've actually had clients who dated men that gave them paid for their boob jobs. I've met men who've told me their last three girlfriends, they paid for them to get boob jobs. And I'm sitting there like, what? How, what, what is that deal? I mean, how is that part of dating someone? So there are things that we do today that are unholy before God and that have consequences. So I minister a number of times to people who say, well, I'm a good person, I tithe, I do this and I do that. But if we're not living our best life before God, if we're making choices that we know are against the word of God and are against what we know that we should do and not do, we are judged and we are penalized based on that exactly. So it's not that, well, I give to charity, I tithe, I'm a pretty good person, but, you know, I get drunk and high and 
have sex with other people now and then and think that somehow the good that you're doing should counter your times of sin. We either are with God 100% of our time. That doesn't make us perfect. But we are living our lives to get stronger and get better and not choosing to live for the Lord when it's convenient. Oh, well, I don't have a boyfriend now right now, so I'm really going strong with the Lord. And as soon as you get a boyfriend, then the Lord is put on part-time or cut off. We have to make choices. And some of you are saying, oh, I would never do that. Many women do. In ministry, I've spoken, I've seen women who serve and they volunteer. They get someone in their personal life, all of a sudden they can't serve in ministry anymore because they're too busy having a good time with this new person in their life. And this is where I say, we can't be phony Christians. We have to be a Christian and holy and, and loving of God in or out of a relationship. Because those same women, two, three months later, when that person has broken their heart, want to come back and serve. And so I have actually been bold enough to say to people who I've seen do this repeatedly, do you don't have a boyfriend now, do you? And they said, oh, no, how did you know? Uh, do you get the joke? Oh, how do I know? So let's not be those people because those people are always going to be struggling financially, always struggling um, in relationships, struggling with responsibilities that they're not prepared for, whether it's in with children or whether it's um, they followed behind someone and got fooled and was left in a town and now doesn't know how to get back home or maybe has too much shame to ask for help. Let's not be that we all make mistakes. Let's try not to make the pattern of making the same mistake over and over again. Let's break that pattern. So let's continue in Joshua 7. So Joshua doesn't know at this time what Achan has done. So Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Haven, to the east of Bethel and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And when they came back, I'm just paraphrasing this, the um, they said that the whole army wouldn't have to go up against AI. You know, they probably said it like how we would talk. Oh, we could take them easily. There's just a few of those. We could just send a couple of thousand people. Everybody else could relax, have a good time. And a handful of folks could, you know, wipe these folks out. So in doing that, Joshua sent them. And those, I believe it was um, 3,000 men that he sent up there. And the men of AI basically killed like 36 of them, ran them out of town. And what they thought was going to be an easy victory was a loss. And so, of course, this would shock Joshua because the Lord had already told him that he would conquer this territory. So let's go to where Joshua finds out that the Israelites had been chased from the city gate and struck down. And obviously this brought fear upon the Israelites, like, oh Lord, we had been doing so well. What's happened? Is the Lord not for us? 
as he let us let us you know let us out here to be killed and die um because now if people hear that what ai has done to them well then everybody else will get bold heck the Israelites are weak now. We need to go wipe them out. We need to take back gold, silver, and stuff they took from us. And so this brought, of course, fear upon the people and, of course, concern with Joshua. So let's go down to what then Joshua did in verse, let's see here, it's verse 8. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? So two things I like about here, and, and it's been done before too by Moses, is, is what we need to do when we realize that, and this is a critical um, situation in our own lives, when we hit a snag, a failure, and we're not sure why. We're not sure what it's related to. What I like about this was Joshua didn't spend time woeing about it and, and, you know, asking everybody what happened and who messed up or whatever. He went before God and he seeked God and that is the second step that we should be doing. We know we don't live perfect lives. And we know sometimes we get headstrong and go into doing something on our own. Ugh. And when we when it fails, we want to believe, Dag, I followed a good plan. This was a good idea. And then we want to believe that God failed us. Well, really, probably we failed God. Because we probably, as many of us know, we seek God for answers, and then we don't get the answer we like, then we go with our own answer. You know, we pray, Lord, show me, and maybe the Lord is showing you to tithe more honestly, or maybe he's showing you to pay your taxes more honestly, or maybe he's asking you to submit to your husband, and these things you're not doing, but then you want God to bless what you want to do. And then when he doesn't show up, you want to then believe, well, God is not for me. You can't have a one-way relationship. You, God is not there just to, when you have an idea, that he fulfills it. So I, in, in this situation, this, this passage of scripture reminds me of, of that situation where we are, we're wanting what we want but we want God to do what we want versus his word says that we are to submit ourselves to him. God doesn't submit to us. So the Lord said to Joshua in verse 10, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? You know, I see that as almost saying it, it wasn't you. 
Um, and he says, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. You worship no other gods but me. This is what I'm saying, not the scripture. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. So here we are coveting. So they have stolen. So when we find that we're failing with the Lord, can we not look at and examine our lives? What have we stolen, coveted, envied, desired above God? They have lied. What have we lied about? What have we been untruthful about? What have we told little white lies about? Those little white lies bring wrath as much as big ones. And they have basically taken something for themselves. They've taken the devoted things in their own possession. So the Lord says in 12, that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. So I'm going to let you read the rest because when we get to 13, he says, go and consecrate the people. Repent. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God, the Lord says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. So I'm going to let you read the rest on what winds up happening to Achan and his property and his people and the things he owns. You know, a third pointer here is... Our possessions can't be our priority. You see, we can't worship what we have and worship God. And that's why the word talks about uh, the rich man, that, you know, it's easier, that it's very difficult for someone who is caught up in their possessions. And it's so easy today. You know, I was reading an article the other day about Japan, that 25% of Japanese people under 40 years old are virgins. And they're like number one for low birth rates. And when they talked about why, because I don't know, I don't I haven't lived in Japan, but I know I've heard things are expensive, but they're buying so many things. They want possessions and their work ethic of working and making money and having things, that that's more a priority than a personal life. And I thought of that as being sad. The United States was listed there too. You know, have we put so much into what we use our fingers for on our cell phones or on our tablets and texting that we don't desire some of the valuable things in life that we put the money in moving ahead and possessions are so great that we find ourselves struggling spiritually because we are devoted to our things. 
We are devoted. The idols of our lives is where we live and what we have in the bank and what we could buy, where we vacation. Even I'm in animal health, even down to the type of dog we have. I have people buying golden doodles who can't even afford to care for golden doodles, but they're buying them because that's the dog that the that everybody has, that it's a, it's a sign of wealth. It's a sign that I'm doing okay, but they're struggling. But people don't know that. And so look at what are the things that your life is devoted to? Are you working hard because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses? I know it's cliche, but you're trying to keep up to have something to brag about. Who brags about they work two, three jobs and they have no free time and they don't have time for their children, but they have them in a nice home and they have a nice car? I did that for a while. I did that. I was providing um, for my children and thought that my being away for um, three, four days a week, but I was with them on the weekend and, and got them the things that they wanted in life, a nice home, a nice car, the great right neighborhood, the right school. And all my children wanted was my company. So I ask you today to think about what are your priorities? If the Lord was standing before you, where would he be on your list? If you really looked at, when, and how, do, how can you determine that? By where you spend your time, by what do you focus on? What are you thinking about? What do your worries center around? Are your worries centered around um, salvation or your, your children serving God? Or is your salvation or is your mind spinning around how you can be and max out your your credit living in the right neighborhood or having this car to give an illusion of your success? Those are the things that we really struggle with today. And as you saw in this passage, whether you read Joshua 6 or in Joshua 7, those are things that should never come before living for God. And so I hope today that you get the fact that you'll see at the end of that chapter what happens to Achan, but we don't need to live our lives worshiping and searching for something else than our salvation, than our relationship with God. The Lord can provide you with money. I will tell you, what does the word say? Seek ye the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. I can personally attest to that when I was seeking God and God alone, I was hungry and desperate to know that he was real in my life, that that was more important than than a house, than a dollar. And when the Lord, when the Lord became real for me, he then provided for me. So don't think you've got to be on your knees praying for more money. Look, Pray for the Lord to heal your heart. Pray for God to reveal his nature, his character. Reveal what areas in your life that we just talked about, that where there, there are lies that lie there, that places in your own, within yourself, where you are lying before the Lord, where you are stealing before the Lord, where you are coveting other things before God.
We need to live our whole life with God and allow him to then bless and protect us from the enemy. We live in a we live in a world where there is a war and a battle that we are fighting every day for our health, for our strength, for our safety as we go to and from work. So we want to have God's full grace. And the only way we can do that is to allow our whole heart to live before him. So I pray that um, this chapter blesses you today. I pray that although um, Joshua is talking about a significant war that they need to win against their enemy, your life and what you do is significant to God at the level that you're at. It's significant you win the war against poverty. It's significant you win the war against cancer and sickness and other health issues. It's significant that your children are saved by God. And it's significant that you live without stress and doubt and fears and worry. So let's elevate your faith and elevate your understanding of what's important in this life so that you can be blessed your whole life. In Jesus' name, I pray for you this day. Be blessed and talk tomorrow.